Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Hi, I'm Consequence of Sound film editor Dominic Suzanne Mayer, host of Filmography, a filmmaker's podcast. On our new season, we're spotlighting the works of one of the true 20th century masters, Stanley Kubrick. From Fear and Desire to Eyes Wide Shut, we're examining the performances, stylistic choices, music, and all the nuances of these cinematic and cultural touchstones. Look out for new episodes of Filmography every week, new directors every quarter, and subscribe via iTunes or wherever you procure fine podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from today, please do hit the subscribe button right now. And if you can uh, give a rating and leave a review, that would be really awesome as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today my guest is Nico Case. She just released her latest record, Hell On. We talk about how the politics aren't in this record, or at least not how you would think that they are. There's also some specific conversation on the songs Halls of Sarah and Bad Luck. Her collaboration on the record with Mark Lanigan and A.C. Newman. In fact, it turns out it's the first time that she's co-written with her new pornographer's bandmate for the first time in like 20 years. Check this out. It's Kyle Meredith with Nico Case. 
Hi there. Hi, Nico. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm um, I'm doing well. It's um it's a very quiet day. There's no one in the office but me and your voice, as it is. So isn't it pleasant to just have everyone gone? It's been a while since I hope uh, we've you're been in your able pajamas to... <laughs> right now. You know what? The people that have shown up to do shows, and and I just got out of I, I did three hours on the air, but everybody else they did. They came in in their shorts and flip-flops and everything and for some reason we have an excessive heat advisory day and i'm still in a, like a three-quarter shirt and jeans so i did it wrong anyway it's i did it wrong you needed to wear your mesh half shirt for work today <laughs> but you didn't get it back from the cleaners did oh, you? oh man if there's one day out of the year that i could pull that off i mean i live in kentucky i could do thank that. you <laughs> it was built for you it was built for me but uh first off the compliments uh what a beautiful cool awesome record that you've put out with hell on thank you i I feel like you know it's the fourth of july it's independence Mm -hmm. day here in the country and and maybe that's low-hanging fruit because you know i I follow you online i know what most of uh the things that you're retweeting (laughs) what did does it mean anything to you right now because i don't i don't have anything for today i didn't play anything on the radio today that was patriotic it, it means nothing to me is that a is that a recent thing or has it always been like that for you? No, I've never really felt uh, very cool about it. But it's it's not like a great mark of um, awesomeness for Native Americans who are alive and here, and uh, it's just super disrespectful. So I'm like, nah. Well, I noticed mm-hmm. that was. Um... I think one of the first surprising things about when I listened to this record, because, you know, I put hell on and I sort of expected to hear about some of that. You know, the uh, the dirt stain in the office, like he's not even mentioned, even alluded to in this one. And I think that's what I even appreciated more is because hell on uh, does something really great about, I guess, about finding the issues that was just localized to you. Was it was that on purpose? Well, I mean, the issues aren't new. They're the same ones people have been screaming about for a long time. They're just, you know, being blatantly played out in front of people's faces, and people still don't want to believe it. So it's a, it's a weird time, but the dirt stain, as you call him, <laughs> he doesn't get to be on my record. He doesn't get to be in my life, and he doesn't get to be in things that I care about. Was there a point you said, I'm not going to write the overtly political song? No, I just, it's not, like like I said, you know, white supremacy is not new, Uh Hating immigrants isn't new. Shitting on Native Americans isn't new. Like, none of this stuff is new. Hating women, that's a pretty old one. Mm-hmm. Colonialism, way old. It's, it's been in full swing for a long time. Just, you know, people have chosen to not acknowledge it. But, you know, I, I, I did want some joy to show up on the record, too. <laughs> so. Well, I, I'll take it further down that road that you were just talking about, because it does seem there, like there is a lot of history on the record. And, and I guess what I'm saying is hi- historical references. There was a few times I thought, should I break out the Encyclopedia Britannica? Because I'm not quite certain what she's getting to. Well, I'm I'm a huge reader and researcher of history. I'm not an official historian, and I did not go to school for history, but I read a ton. And uh, I, I find it comforting and instructive and, you know... I, I do think about it and refer to it a lot. As history repeats itself, there's always those uh, those easy bridges from one side to the other. So, yeah, and we are we are not learning from it. No matter how old we can be as human beings, like we used to live to like forty at the most, and now we can live to eighty and ninety, and we're still not learning a goddamn thing. So, 
Yeah, what do you do? What, why is that, though? Keep trying. I, I, was, I was thinking about the, the, the lack of people who went to the polls, uh, not only with the national election, but with Kentucky's last couple elections. And, and we're in the same boat locally that we are nationally over here. And, and I thought it wasn't that long ago that we didn't go to the polls and, and Bush got elected. It wasn't that long ago. It's like it's one thing maybe if you're saying, okay, look back at 200 years, look back at 1,000 years, and, and we're doing the same things. But, geez, man, it's like. Well, people keep saying that, but he didn't win the election. Hillary Clinton won the election. So I don't even know why we're talking about that. It wasn't the lack of people at the polls that did it. She still won the election, but it's math we're all doing constantly all the time and going, ugh. Right. I do feel silly saying this, but the words feel even more important on this record than maybe all the other ones. You've always been a great lyricist. I've always been impressed with your lyrics, but there's something different going on with these. Uh, I, I, I don't know. What, what's different about this? I haven't been able to grasp it, and I'm sorry I don't have a direct question for this. It's just something I've noticed. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, that the lyrics on this record are something very, very different from what you've done in the past. Well, it's hard for me to see progression because I I live every day as me, so I don't, you know, there there are things that happen. I think I had a lot more confidence on this record than I have in a really long time. And, you know, it definitely goes against the myth of people being making better things when they're miserable, which I don't think is true. I think... Being confident is good for everyone. But as far as changes, I, I don't see them so much. I just tried really super hard, <laughs> and I worked really hard. So I, I hope I've become a better editor in that regard. The first word we hear on the record is God. Like, that's, that's a big word to start out with. And, and the way you sort of change it all, because what's going on? It's like, it's like God reintroduced and it's not what you thought it was, as the movie trailer might say at that point. Well, it's not respectful or disrespectful. It just kind of is. I don't know. I had to write the song because there was no language for how I was feeling. So I think that's what poetry's for. It's a new way to work with the English language. It's like a collaging, but not quite collaging. I want to pick up a, a different song there, too, because Halls of Sarah, I've spent a lot of time looking over. And what I keep coming back to with that track is there is a lot of weight on the subject's shoulders, a, a, a lot placed on her. Is, is Sarah a historical figure? Is it, is it a, an actual person? No, she's not. She, she's a muse, and uh, not, not by her choosing, however. Yeah. She just, it, it's, not, it's not fair that she's that. She, she never asked to be that. It's one of those interesting things because it seems like a lot of the things that's being thrown at her are supposed to be compliments in, in some sort of way. Like, look what you've inspired, you know? And it made me think of, as mm -hmm. we're talking about history, like Helen of Troy, you know? The face that launched a thousand ships, and I thought, what a damn burden that sh had to have been, though. Like, quit putting me on this pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it, it's, it, it's, it's, it also, like, it refers to muses, but... I also thought of how a muse or a tribute could be done in a good way. Like, I mean, my my song is, is different, but I also thought a lot about, you know, Sarah's of the world, or Sarah's a, a name used a lot in songs. And, you know, a lot of them are really, you know, people love the songs, but it's like, God, what a dick <laughs> this person is for, like, making this thing about this person. And it's supposed to be a privilege, but... What if you had to go to the grocery store and hear that song? Like, it, it would be like an oppression, you know? And then, but then I think about, like, 
the Fleetwood Mac song, Sarah, which is a, uh, it's a tribute to someone named Sarah that doesn't exploit Sarah or sell her out. It's just a really beautiful tribute. As, um, so there's a line. It's like a thin line between a, a tribute and, you know, exploiting someone as a muse. I mean, as an artist, I, I feel like musicians are sort of put on that pedestal uh, a lot yourselves. You know, the, when, when the fandom is, uh, I don't know, it, it too much? I don't know. I don't read reviews or anything, so I don't. I kind of don't expose myself to stuff like that. And I think I'm a little more working class. I don't know if I really get the sort of fandom that some people do that way, which is fine because I'm not a super public person who wants lots of fame or something. Like I'd like to sell more records and, you know, be accessible to more people. But it's not because I want to wear fancy outfits and be on television. <laughs> I just want to. I want to do a really good job. Right, and that's that's beautiful. That's poetry in itself. I think a lot of people would, uh, I think, prefer that existence, and sometimes that gets away from them. I guess I'm going to somewhere darker there because I'm suddenly thinking about all of our. Well, some heroes. people want to be like if if you're talking specifically about musicians, like some people want to be musicians and some people want to be famous. Mm-hmm. Some people do both, and they can actually do it. And uh, yeah, I don't. There, there's a lot of gray area in there, but you know. I didn't want to be in a band to be famous. I wanted to be in a band to be in a band and do a really good job at it. And, and I'll hit one other one while I'm here, and, and this, one's, <laughs> this one's a little bit more on the trivial side. Uh, Bad Luck is also one of the catchiest songs you've ever written, and when I listen to it, though, I can't help but think a little bit of Alanis Morissette's Ironic, and I don't know if that's ever occurred to you in this sort of similar... Mm. Yeah. Not really. And again, that's that's not I, so much. I was a- thinking about folklore. I was I I was thinking about what uh, you know. I was thinking about all the things that we think of as luck and how luck is like the way for people to not. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just this this weird thing. And like, I'm doing a really good job explaining this, obviously. But um, you know how like how we have like the the little cures for what if we you know, do something that's bad luck, like throw the salt over your left shoulder kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so random and bizarre. There's no reason. Or, like, if you walk under a ladder, you have to go backward three times or whatever it is. Like, they're spells is what they are. And um, luck, I think, is the version for people who identify way more masculinely so they don't have to seem like they engage in wives' tale things. Like, luck is different than... I don't know what you'd call it the other way, but it's uh, it's just a funny thing, like the cures and the ritual and the spells behind super random stuff that has to do with luck. Like, what do you do if you break a mirror? You know, why is it seven years bad luck? I don't know. But I wanted to just invent some things that could possibly be bad luck because it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun to invent that stuff. And I think that people made that shit up for kids, honestly. Well, that's probably true. I mean, I, when but, I was younger, uh, when I was up until I was 13, I, I was I was Catholic. I, I went to church and everything. And, and, and it was sort of the same type of thing because if you did this or you didn't do this, you know, the devil was going to get you in the night or something like that or, you know, you're going to go to hell. And Yeah. It feels like a, another version of that. Seriously unhealthy shit, which... <laughs> It's kind of funnier if it's like, ooh, I don't know. I can't even think of an example. Yeah. It's like, uh-oh, you're going to have to sprinkle a little salt on a bird's tail. <laughs> like, it's kind of an impossible thing to do. And I don't know how anybody would go about it, but I don't want to think about the poor bird who had to get salt sprinkled on their tail. But it's just super random and bizarre things. Yeah. 
Well, uh, only to explain myself of that comparison with ironic. Um, I guess what I was getting to is, you know, it's a it's a list song about you know the bad things in, in life. But and and for what it's worth, yours is the more accurate one, as we've learned from history. With no disrespect to a classic, by the way. But uh, when that song came out, I wasn't listening to the radio at all, so I didn't really have a connection with it at all. Oh, I was, and it's ingrained in my head for better or worse, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of what my version would be like, if I could save time in a bottle right. or something. Right. You know, <laughs> think something like that. I want to point out the song structures, too, because there are movements with, within these songs. I mean, in, in various times, they're, they're quite epic. I don't know. Was it a difficult record to write in that sense? Because, you know, there are left turns, there are surprises, there are songs that completely change direction. Like, what kind of work went into that side of it all? Well, that actually was kind of the easier part. Like, if you're not going to be played on commercial radio, like, you don't have anything to lose. <laughs> you can be as creative as you want. And, and, you know, I don't know. I write things in pieces. And so sometimes I want two pieces that don't go together at all to be a part of one thing. And so, you know, I'll be writing a song with Paul Rigby. And I'm not trained at all, and Paul is totally trained. So... I'll have these two parts, and I'll be like, Paul, could you play me every single note that's possible to go between these two things so we could see if we could join them up? And he'll be like, yeah, because he loves knowing and having to play every single possible note between there. <laughs> it's like some sort of delicious math for him, so it's really fun. I used to play a similar to game. To make things work together that aren't supposed to, you know? Yeah. As I say, in my world, it would be, uh, you know, I have – artist a and artist c and and they're completely opposite worlds and who do you put in the middle to to make it all work but it would seem as for songwriting that we that like that boggles my mind and especially as a listener of course it makes it a lot of fun because it, you know here we are 60 years into pop rock as we know it and it feels so worn I mean, there's great songs out there every day don't get me wrong but but to get a record like this uh, i can't tell what's coming around the corner uh, whether it's going to be a bridge or a tiger that's going to attack me right and you know that that's what i enjoyed about records like dark side of the moon like there's entire sections that are just these weird soundscapes and it's like what's not what's not great about that you just get to escape into it it's lovely there are a lot of um really great guests all over this record i I do want to hit on one because i'm a huge mark lanigan fan uh the two of you all sound so good together on this thank you he did a fucking incredible job on it I mean, his voice is so unique, and, and, and it brings an inescapable mood uh, to, to something. Does that change the way you have to sing with someone? Does, does having, I don't know, does, does singing with him, is it any different than singing with anyone else? Well, in this case, no, because I did all the singing. He had to do it remotely, so I did all the singing before he sang on it because we weren't able to be in the studio together. So he kind of blended to me, and then I went back in and did some more vocals and blended to him, yeah. which was... I don't know. He makes me sound like way more of a woman than I am, which makes for a really nice character dialogue in the song. And it really meant a lot to me that he was able to do it because he and I grew up in the same place during the same time and know all the same people. And, you know, yet we we grew up differently in that particular environment of the Pacific Northwest during those times. And so he, I, I, I knew that he would be like the perfect person to sing that song. When, when, you know, songs like that are sort of autobiographical to you, do you, do you uh, lend any coaching to them, or is it pretty much just putting your trust out there? 
Well, I mean, obviously he's really great, so I didn't have to worry about him. I didn't have to tell him how to sing it. Um, but what I did do that was kind of a huge screw-up was – I, I was I was very shy about, you know, giving him direction. So I ended up sending him the song and the lyrics and the notes, and I only had him singing on part of the song. And then I got back what he did, and I realized I totally underutilized what's so great about him. So just because I was a little shy and a little like, oh, I don't want to bug him. Here's this part. You know, I don't want to have you do too much because I know you're busy and stuff. And then I realized I should have just asked him to sing on the whole song, but it's seven minutes long, you know? So I'm like, I didn't want to be too greedy. So I had to email him and go, yeah, I've never really written a duet before. And I didn't really know what I should uh, be asking you to do. And you sound really great. Could you sing on the rest of it too? Like, it was just a rookie mistake. Oh man! But, but he was really sweet and came back and did some more. And I was like, "Thank you, <laughs> sir." It sounds so good. It really does, uh, all the way around. Thank you. He really makes it. Yeah, he does. I mean, I, I, like I said, I think he would if he was trying or not. That voice just does it. It's just one of those things, you know. I love low voices. I really do. And you know, that's where Eric Bachman really shines on the record too. Yeah. They're both men with beautiful low voices. And it's not just men's low voices. I love it when women have low voices, which is really rare. And uh, we don't, you know, if I could be something different, I would have a much lower voice if I had my way. <laughs> it's so beautiful to me, a low voice. Well, no complaints uh, on this side anyway. I'll close it out, though. Uh, of course, you, one of your other bandmates, uh, one of your other day job bandmates, uh, A.C. Newman, uh, you, you co-wrote a couple of the tracks w with him. And I guess this proves that just because you write together, it doesn't mean it has to be a new pornographer's track. Well, it's funny because this is actually the first time we've ever written together, aside from like one little jingly thing we did a long time ago. But we're, we're just too busy. And he and Dan Behar from Destroyer write all the songs in the new pornographer. So it never really came up that it was necessary. But Carl and I talk a lot about songwriting and you know, I find it much easier to work with lyrics, and he finds it much easier to work with music. So I thought, well, shoot. And, you know, he was like, oh, I'm so sick of writing lyrics. If you have any lyrics, you can send me. And, and I was feeling the, the opposite. So, you know, it, it's funny that it took 20 years for us to write a song together, though. But it worked out really nice. We just did it. You know, I would just send him snippets and ideas, and he would send it back, and we would just kind of whittle it down and then build a little more on top. And it was really fun. Worked out really nice. I, I wonder if that'll happen in the future now when, when, you know, on the other side of things, if, I don't know, you'll break the mold for new pornographers at some point. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> I would do it. But we shall see. Well, I've definitely spent 20 minutes here gushing about this record, and I think I've asked you specifically about half of it. So uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, Thanks for having me on. No problem, Nico. It's always such a great pleasure to talk to you, and uh, and hopefully we'll have you back around thank here you. in the, uh, the Louisville parts again. But uh, until then. I'm working on it. I'm hoping to be there, you know, either at the beginning of next year or later this year. Like, there's there's a lot of things that aren't confirmed yet, but there's a lot of touring in the works, so I awesome. hope so. Awesome. Well, we'll be ready for you any time it happens. So uh, Thank you. Yeah, I, thank I, you. I can't wait to see you guys again. All right. Well, take care, and we'll see you then. All right. You too. All right. Bye. My thanks to Nico Case for that call right there. The new record is called Hell On. It's out now on Anti-Records. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel right now to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. 
uh, for you podcast fans, iTunes or Podchaser, wherever you're listening from. Uh, if you can uh, give a rating and leave a review, that would be amazing. Then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. You can also find some bonus episodes of this series over there as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.